Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell, and we've got Nick behind the camera. I think you're supposed to wave at the camera, Stacy, not at me. <laughs> Although I appreciate the wave. I always, always love your, your energy. Uh, we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And if you get some value out of this show, do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give us a like, only if you like the show. If you don't like it, you don't have to give us a subscribe. And uh, again, we're live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So the the obvious thing to start with today, Stacy, is the Federal Reserve meeting from last week. And we're going to cover some stuff going on with the commission lawsuits, uh, Bob Goldberg. It seems like these stories keep evolving and they're really dominating the headlines. But first, for consumers, I know a lot of people were waiting with bated breath about what happened after the Fed meeting. So if you don't know what happened, they opted not to raise the key interest rate, the federal funds rate. They kept it steady, which everyone predicted would happen. Um, And the market reacted. We're seeing rates kind of still bounce around. Like, it's almost daily. They're going up like an eighth of a point. They're down an eighth of a point. Today, we're getting quoted seven and three-eighths. It was like seven and an eighth or last week. It was closer to seven and a half earlier this week. It seems like this is where rates are going to be as a result of that Fed meeting. What were your takeaways from the Fed meeting, Stacey? Let's start there. Well, yeah, they decided not to raise, but they also indicated that they definitely would be uh, looking to raise their basis points again. Um, I think towards the end of this year, they signaled that there would be another rate hike. Mm -hmm. So... They signaled that, I guess, because they don't want people to get too comfortable since they didn't do it this time. Um, but honestly, I thought they might have raised it this time. That was my prediction. So you were wrong. <laughs> so I was wrong. And I'm glad you were wrong, <laughs> by the way. This is a good wrong. Yeah. But I, th- I still think that they're still on, um, you know, a collision course here. They're still going to raise a number of times because the inflation is not getting to their magic number. So the, they will continue on this path until the inflation gets at their magic number of 2%. But as far as the mortgage rates, um, I think that people are used to this these rates right mm-hmm. now where they are. And the, the people that I'm, I'm uh, dealing with now, they're, it, they're okay with that. They're mm-hmm. like, we have to transact. We're fine. Um, and honestly, I'm seeing a lot of incentives from lenders. I had a client uh, a couple days ago, their pre-approval included a lender grant of up to 5% of of their closing costs to cover closing costs at settlement. So I thought that was really, really great. And um, if it it is FHA, but um, man, that was, that's some true incentive there. And I think the rates, uh, I think what they were quoted was like 7.125. So it's it's a good start, especially for first-time home buyers. And I think that that's going to help with their closing costs. Um, so if there's lender incentives out there, uh, go for it. It's going to help. So that, that that's great uh, intel. And, and I'm clear lenders are giving incentives because it's been way tougher being a mortgage lender this year than a real estate agent. And I'm not yeah. saying it's been easy to be a real estate agent right. this year, as you and I both know. So... Um, it, 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 the lenders have definitely had a bit of a challenge when it comes in, in the, in the marketplace here. So that's a great observation that they're all competing. Mm-hmm. I talked to the, um, someone very high up at a very prominent, uh, mortgage company. That's as much as I'm going to tell you. And their margin right now that this company is making on loans is about a thousand dollars per loan. So think about that. Wow. Like you're, you're a large lender. People know who you are in the marketplace and your margin's $1,000 and you're competing with all these other companies yeah. that are offering. I mean, you have to, it's, it, it's, it's a thin business right now. That, that's really challenging for a lot of folks. So that, that's very interesting you're seeing that. Um, I'm going to go a little different direction, Stace. So I, I, I found uh, some information here from the former Boston Fed president. So um, this is... Uh, you know, this is the uh, after after the meeting, and there were three major takeaways 
Um, and this is uh, from Diane Swank. She's the uh, former uh, Boston Fed president. She now works at Market, uh, or she's a KPMG economist, excuse me. So um, one is that the Fed's still fighting a strong economy. The, like, despite housing being in this weird spot, the economy's mm-hmm. chugging along. Mm-hmm. It's um, it, it's moving really well. And that's why we saw you know inflation kind of coming a little higher than was expected a couple weeks ago. Um, and they're not, they're not fighting a bad economy. Uh, I think a, a, a few months ago, the Fed thought the economy was going to be very weak and they could maybe be a little more passive. Now they're fighting a, a, a stronger economy that's causing them to be more active. That might be why they said maybe we'll lower rates later this year. I don't think they thought the economy was going to be this strong. That's number one. And secondly, it looks like the likely rate hike we'll see will be in the month of December. Happy holidays, everybody. Feliz Navidad and all that <laughs> stuff. So, um, it, it, you know, uh, and it, uh, Rosen Green, who's the uh, former uh, Fed uh, president in Boston. I'm sorry, I misquoted that there. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's Eric Rosen Green. He was 14 years the president of the Boston Fed. He's the one coming out with these, not the KPMG economist. He believes that the rate hike is going to come most likely in December. And they're likely to raise rates and it's likely to gonna going to come at the last meeting of the year because they're not going to have enough information by November, which I tend to agree with. I mean, we're going to see how the, the fall plays out here because there's always this like summer pop in the uh, economy and then things drop down a little bit. You got all those last minute vacations. It's, it's a time when people spend a lot of money and then there's back to school shopping, which also oh, okay. drives spending. So that could be why we saw inflation bubble up a little bit and you know, one of the unknowns right now and why they may wait until December is if the consumer is going to continue to spend um, because all this excess savings from the pandemic. And there's a lot of people that were sitting on a lot of cash during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming down pretty quickly and student loans are now payable again. So this is a whole nother factor. So there's going to be a lot of things that they ha- the Fed has to monitor here. And the, the third one is I don't I, they said maybe expect a rate hike. They also said maybe we're going to see some rate drops this year. That obviously is probably not going to happen. If that happens, I'd be shocked. I'd be more shocked than that anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to let this play out a little bit. And uh, Jerome Powell was very cautious. And he sounded a little uncertain during his comments afterwards. And I usually get more worried about the comments than the actual decision. And, um, you know, so I think those are the, the takeaways that I saw from the meeting um, and anything I missed there or anything else you heard in the in, in the post meeting comments, Stacey, that jumped out at you? No, but um, not really. That's OK. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I and the student loan, uh, that whole program's going to start. Uh, folks are going to have to start repaying, repaying their student loans. That's coming up soon. Um, and I think on average, they said it's about two hundred and seventy five dollars a month that folks are going to have to start repaying back. Not only that, but um, there's other COVID programs that are ending also at the same time. Uh, There's child care subsidies, and that's huge. Mm -hmm. So if people have to start paying more towards their child care, um, you know, it could, that could really change um, the landscape of the economy too. So you have a couple of things. Child care is expensive. It is very expensive. And it could be the difference between somebody working and not working. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that should be interesting to see how that's going to affect everything also, because they're two pretty big factors right there that could have an impact. Um, so childcare, I think is going to have a bigger impact than, uh, the student loan payments. I mean, even though Moody's analytics came out and then they said that, um, there, there is going to be an impact in, 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 uh, in an interview they did, um, when the repayments start on October the 1st, mm-hmm. I mean, there's people that decide, Hey, it makes more sense for me not to work. Yeah, because I'm paying for daycare mm-hmm. and it, depending on how many kids you got there. I mean, and, and how old they are, because the price is higher, obviously, when they're infants, it goes down. And you got all these folks that have half day kindergarten, which is very prominent around here. I mean, bo- both uh, all, two of my three kids were in half day kindergarten and they we, they went to before or after care. Um, it was before care for them. But that, that doesn't really matter. That just has to do with what class they were assigned. So that's a big cost. I mean, it's mm-hmm. and for people that send their kids to public school, it's like, all right, great, I got to pay this now on top of everything else. Um, so th- there are some things happening here that could lead to spending coming down, which may not be a bad thing because that will help reduce inflation. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily good for the economy, but the, the economy has been really strong. It's been surprisingly strong for a lot of folks. 
Yeah, especially for the Fed. <laughs> yes. They're they're surprised at all the spending that's still happening. But why be surprised? They, there was a lot of money injected into the economy. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, the, the child care could affect, um, you know, what's the effect on the on the job numbers coming up? Then if, if that if that leads to people not going back into the workforce or it leads people to get out of the workforce because mm-hmm. they, now they have to pay for their own child care. So it should be interesting to see. And I, I do hope that the feds, you know, they hold steady and, and not raise and, and not do these knee jerk reactions. Just let things play out and see how all these things are going to come together and affect, um, you know, what's what's really happening out there. Sure. And, and here's what's happened so far. Um, and, and we want to look at what's actually going on in the market as a result of all this. So um, at the uh, end of last week after the meeting, um, the 30 year inched up a little bit. Um, it was it's been above seven for a while now. And uh, they've been they're, they're kind of lingering around that like seven and a quarter range. I mean, if someone's asked me where a rate was, it, obviously it depends on the day, but seven and a quarter would be the number you'd probably want to tell them. Um, and you know, because of that, um, you know, members of the Federal uh, Open Market Committee expect that rates are going to remain elevated for longer than had been expected uh, because the rate hikes, they look at improved CPI data, lower job openings, higher unemployment. It, it says the economy is going to be cooling. However, a lot of people are, are just not seeing that. Um, an economist at realorder.com uh, he th- he's clear they're going to be tighter for longer. So I don't I don't I don't see any relief anytime soon. Like all those predictions that said rates were going to be close to six by the end of the year, they're now getting revised. Mortgage bankers revised it to six and a half. So that that kind of tells you that our, not that we're we're right and we know everything, but I just had a hard time believing they were going to be at six. Yeah. So and that goes to into next year too. Then mm-hmm. um, I don't see any major differences or major shifts going on. So we'll probably be in the in the same ranges here in the uh, low to mid sevens. Yeah, and, and I mean, rates are they're, they're kind of getting close to that high for the year, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is what happened last year, by the way. Remember October, November, rates spiked up and the market almost shut down entirely. Yeah. So rates shot up because of the the hawkish Fed meeting. Now they they settled down a little bit since then. So I think there's you know we have some Monday morning quarterbacking we can do. Um, I mean, it, it's you know we want to the, the hawkish tone at the meeting. We we knew about all that. We did see. Um, listings grow, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though there was, uh, uh, you know, when, whenever mortgage rates rise, you know, I tend to worry about what's going to happen with the new listing data because it may decline a little more for the, the lock-in effect, people scared, people pausing, right. and maybe throwing the towel, uh, listing their homes because the higher rates make it less attractive, which we know is not the case. So active listings last week grew by 90, over 9,300 homes. And we are at, again, the peak number of homes for sale for the year. Um, so we're at the inventory peak um, at it's 527,000 homes. So this is not slowed down yet. So that's the good news here. And, you know, you're in the trenches every day. I'm out there, you know, talking to sellers, you know, work, working on, 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 on helping those people navigate all this. What are you saying to your folks in the trenches right now? Everything we just talked about, there's all this noise. How do you make people understand what's going on so they can make a good decision? Because we just talked in a lot of economic jargon. And I think it gets tough for a lot of people. I was just having this conversation today with a couple other people, um, with a lender and, and another agent. And um, there's a lot of people that are on the sidelines saying, I'm going to wait for the interest rates to drop. I'm going to wait for the home prices to drop. And I have to ask them, well, for as far as home prices, mm-hmm. what are you looking for as far as waiting for them to drop? By $10,000, by 25000 by fifty, dollars 100000 where is your number? <laughs> and they kind of look at you like they're very confused. They don't really know. It's mm-hmm. just a thing that they say, I think. Um, because, first of all, you don't want home prices to drop, and they're not going to drop. When a house closes, it becomes a comp. So if there is competition and there's multiple offers on a home, most likely it's going to go over that asking price. Um, a lot of people are making up differences in appraisal deficits. So the homes, they close at those price points. Mm-hmm. You know, So we're Especially not having to renegotiate. Especially with these cash buyers and, and they're borrowing money from their parents. Or and they're, they're, what's the number of cash buyers? We were shocked at that number. It was over I'll have, 50%. I'll have to find it yeah. here. Uh, so there's a lot of cash buyers out there, so we don't have to worry about appraiser, appraisals. Um, but it's just interesting to me because one third, 
one third. That's that's a lot. Bananas. Number. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's according to Redfin, it's it's just just trying to educate them on you know the reality of the interest rates, what it means, and getting them to distill it down to their monthly payment. And what, where do you, where are you comfortable? What were you thinking of your monthly payment mm-hmm. to be, including your taxes and your insurance? So I think when you break it down like that, and then you understand, we, ha- I have a lot of tools that I use, a lot of charts, historic data that I show them where the interest rates were, and also the housing prices, and also the rental prices. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though they say that the rents are in decline, they're still not in decline to a point where people are happy or find it affordable. So your rent is 100% interest in my book. So if you're going to continue to pay that, it's just money going out where you could find opportunity in the market. There is opportunity out here. I I agree with that. There's homes that are overpriced sitting on the market or that need a Mm -hmm. little extra love, TLC. Um, But there's definitely opportunity out there. So if if people do really have a need and a want to move and and make a purchase, uh, there's, there's ways to get it done. So that's great advice on the purchase side. What I'm telling mm-hmm. sellers right now, because I've had this conversation with a lot of folks, it's should we wait now or should we or, or should we list now or should we wait until the end of the uh, – let me start over. Should we list now or should we wait until the spring of next year? Mm-hmm. And the first question is where are you moving to? Because if they don't know where they're moving, then there's no point in putting your house on the market. We just had this conversation earlier. That can, yeah. be, that can be a stop, full stop for a lot of people. So assuming they have a place to go, there's going to be more inventory – come the first two weeks of January, I, I especially in our marketplace, I am super clear on that. I've, I've studied the trends. I've been through this the, 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 the seasonal flow for two decades plus. There's going to be more homes that come on the market after January. So you got to ask yourself, do you want to be the only option out there now or one of the few options when demand is still high? Or do you want to be competing against more people? We don't know where rates are going to go. Rates are going to be the same for everybody buying a house effectively, uh, for the, for the most part, unless their credit's messed up or something like that, or do you want to wait and maybe there's more inventory and there could be even more homes that come on the market if, if rates do drop. That's the thing I'd be concerned about. And you, you always want to look at the, the whole market. And one is, is the timing right for you Two, Are you aware that like, you know, the market might've peaked now you can still get a great price for your home, but it may not be that like ultra great price with waived inspections and an appraisal gap coverage and all these other things. So I would look at the known quantities and then see what's going to be best for you and your household. And and that may not be the same answer as how, what's the best time to list the home. And that's the first question. And assuming that's okay, we can do this now. I do see a lot of opportunity in the market for sellers right now to mm-hmm. get one of these buyers that's in the, they're kind of in the screw it mode, right? Mm-hmm. They've lost out on three homes. Yep. They're tired of looking. Yeah. Their house gets smaller every day because they're living there with their kids. They get more stuff. Or their house gets bigger every day. They can't maintain it. They want to be in by the end of the year. There's folks out there that have been losing properties. That's the buyer you want Mm -hmm. because there's plenty of new faces that show up after the first of the year. They tend to have a little bit of a different approach than the person that maybe has lost out on a a couple agreements. Mm -hmm. Agree, disagree, what do you think? No, I agree with that 100%. Yep. So if you want to be the consumer that is savvy about this, you know, I would be looking at how do I move my time frame up and deal in the known quantities now because I don't see the rates coming down. Mm-hmm. A lot of economists and, and predictors are saying this is the market we're going to be in for the next two to three years, let alone the next three to six months. And waiting, is, it's, it, it's a tough thing because you don't know what's going to happen. And it could go great. It could not go great. We know what we know now. And if it's the right home for you and you're going to be happy there long term or it's the right move for you and you're going to be happy long term. That's the reason to transact, and a lot of folks don't tend to focus on that. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about the latest commission lawsuit uh, news. There's actually, some, I I think, some positive news in here. I know you talked about the REMAX settlement last week, which was a big deal. And we're also going to talk about what's going on at NAR with Bob Goldberg and a demanded resignation. Next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. 
For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender, NMLS 128501. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool.com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And if you get some value out of this, for all our people watching on YouTube and everywhere else, please give us a like, subscribe to the channel. It would mean the world, but only if you like what you hear. If you think we don't know what we're talking about, then don't bother. Stacey, we got more news. I feel like these are the only two stories we talk about anymore, but they are a big deal. So let's start with the commission lawsuit. I think this is actually pretty interesting. So last week it was, I think it was Tuesday morning. We got the news Mm -hmm. from Remax that they settled for 55 million. Good move by Remax. Yeah. Disappointing to see NAR has not reached a settlement. I I would have loved to see them take some leadership here as Remax agents this is a win for us. Mm-hmm. If you read, did you read the letter on air? I'm assuming you did. Yes. That says it all. I, I, I'm, I'm clear that's a really good move. It's one less thing you have to worry about. And um, and they did not admit any wrongdoing. Right. It just keeps us out of court, which is good for everybody. So good luck to Home Services. Good luck to Keller Williams. Good luck to NAR. Mm. Hope uh, hope it goes well for you. I'm fascinated by the Remax settlement. I don't know if you got into this. Did you notice that they talked about some changes to franchise agreements? I that didn't. may not be required to be part of NAR or the local boards. Really? Now, this is my, this is this is alleged. This is my opinion for everyone watching. Mm. This has nothing to do with what Remax said. They said there'd be changes to the franchise agreements. I would be fascinated to see what they are, and I would imagine we're probably going to find out before most people because we have a Remax franchise. I got the email a little before you did, and if they. If Remax says you don't have to be part of NAR, oh my god! Well, that's going to be a breaking point for a lot of people because if once a company like Remax does it, not any of these companies could could set the trend here. They obviously don't feel like they're getting value out of this, and we'll talk about what's going on with Bob Goldberg here shortly. So, in the meantime, I thought that was interesting. That's just my hallucination. This is just a, a, a total hypothetical. 
In the meantime, what happened, um, the, defendant, the defendants in the Sitzer burner suit, um, they, they, uh, they this is one of the two suits, right? So um, there was a unopposed motion for dismissal on the state law claims pled in their complaint. So what does that mean for all the people that don't know anything about the law, which um, I'm there, kind of. Um, there was three counts uh, from the plaintiffs. A Sherman Antitrust Act violation a violation of Missouri Merchandising Practices Act, and a violation of Missouri antitrust law. And according to the motion, the plaintiffs found that the two state claims were redundant to the antitrust act. So what this does, uh, in my view, um, I mean, the the plaintiffs stated that the state law uh, claims pled are largely duplicate claims of the Sherman Antitrust Act in count number one. Um, And the plaintiffs added that they filed a motion to dismiss those counts which trial's happening in like three weeks. Wow. Um, or not even. It's two weeks, 14 days. It's on the 16th. Or maybe three weeks. I was right the first time. Um, and, you know, seeing that come down, I, I think it actually makes it easier for the defendants to, uh, which is now KW, NAR, and Home Services, because they're not dealing with these state laws. They're mm-hmm. dealing just with the Sherman Antitrust Act. And NAR didn't oppose those motions. Uh, and, and they look at... Um, the uh, Mantill Williams, the NAR VP of communications, wrote in an email that pro-competitive, pro-consumer local MLS broker marketplaces, they ensure equ- equity, efficiency, transparency, and market-driven pricing options for home buyers and sellers. Um, and they plan on presenting their case at trial. Wow. So I, do you think this is a smart move going to trial? I think that's my first uh, question here. It's risky. I can't believe these guys are going and I gals. Either. I mean, it's yeah. men and women. Right. Uh, it's always risky when you do that. Um, because I mean, I guess they, they feel confident because they're going to trial or maybe they're just saying that and then they're going to, there's going to be a last minute settlement. That typically is what happens. Um, both sides kind of drag it out as long as they Mm can. Um, you know, it's like, who's going to blink first, Mm -hmm. but I think NAR has a lot of, of things going on right now. Um, so it, it would definitely be best if, if they tried to come to some type of settlement agreement. Um, there's other things that they really need to focus on. But uh, having Anywhere and Remax kind of set the stage here, it um, it would be easier for them, I think, to negotiate and, and have a settlement. It would have been nice for all these companies. You know they're talking, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these yeah. people, I mean, it, I've been to the T360 conference and all the CEOs get together. They hang out. I mean, it's, it's I mean, you see Nick Bailey there. You see um, Gary Keller didn't come this year, but he's usually there. You see, uh, you know, all, all these people are together, the, the CEO of home services, whoever they are. I would have loved to see them do this together. But at the same time, if NAR Stowe, it, it, it seems like they're almost indignant that like, Hey, we didn't do anything wrong, which Remax said the same thing. The better business move is to settle. In my view, I think this is a great thing because it, it, when you settle this, I mean, it just, it moves on and, and, and there's something to be said for that. So, and I, I do feel like NAR might be preoccupied. I think that's a, that's a great observation. So this is, I'm really curious to see what happens at this trial and that's going to be very fascinating. And I'm glad as Remax agents, we aren't part of that. So that's uh, that's good news for us. Another great reason mm-hmm. for Stacy and I to work together. And there's plenty of great reasons for that. So let's talk about the, uh, what's going on at NAR. So, what do you what do you think about oh this? So there's goodness. there's um, NAR staffers. They have and this this happened yesterday. They have demanded the resignation of Bob Goldberg and other leaders. So Bob Goldberg is the CEO of NAR. Um, there's a lot of they're getting all these demands from staffers and members because of the harassment allegations that was brought forth in the New York Times expose. Um, the trade group informed members that was bringing in like a third-party human resources reporting system and a third-party independent law firm to conduct a review. That's all nonsense. I think that's what every one of these companies does when something goes wrong, right? Am am, am I wrong here? Damage control. Pretty much. (laughs) So, um, so, and they have this like NAR accountability project. So now um, there was an email to NAR staffed that was obtained by Housing Wire. Uh, that said NAR CEO Bob Goldberg wrote that there's a, a company is going to conduct, uh, it's a law firm, an independent law review to make recommendations to improve procedures, trainings, and systems to prevent inappropriate behavior. 
encourage reporting of alleged misconduct, and promote an environment of transparency and accountability. Um, that came from him? There, there was an email he sent. Um, he also noted that there's another firm is going to provide an internal investigation services to a new special committee, and that law firm will investigate harassment, discrimination, and misconduct complaints and report back to the special committee with findings and suggested or suggested uh, remedial actions as appropriate. Um, these two changes were also proposed in an anonymous letter from the NAR staffers presented by NAR Regional Vice President Shannon King during a committee meeting this past Monday. And um, the letter also states that if any or all of the leaders must remain at NAR to deal with the impending uh, lawsuit, they should be retained for that purpose only with no leadership or staff management responsibilities, nor role in selection or hiring of the new CEO. So what do you think about that? Mm. I mean, the staff's coming out and saying, hey, we, we, we're, we, want, we want the CEO out. This has happened at professional sports teams. Mm-hmm. It happened to the Washington Redskins. Yeah. It happened to the L.A. Clippers. Um, I, I mean, we've seen it happen to the Carolina Panthers. That there was, And not all the same things, but something that you shouldn't be doing as a CEO. <laughs> right. Whether it was... Inappropriate comments from, uh, you know, about you know race, about, you know, harassment, whatever it might be. Well, you know, I think that uh, the end result is going to be the same. <laughs> he is going to be out. So I don't understand why, you know, and I, I kind of agree with staffers because they're looking at it like, hey, you know, our firm has been you know, we have this negative air mm-hmm. around our firm now and it it affects them indirectly, but directly it does. So if they could, if, if he would just remove himself and they could get on and start the, quote, healing process or just get on, you know, get on with it, um, I think it would put everybody in a better position. Um, but that's just, that's my opinion. But I think the end result's going to be the same. He's going to be out. It's just... Mm-hmm. He's waiting to get his payout. (laughs) It's all about money, I'm sure, instead of just, um, you know, doing the right thing and just removing himself because there's always a cloud of smoke and dust. And, you know, um, whenever these people stay in these positions, when there's such accusations and everybody's innocent till, you know, proven guilty, but there's a lot of allegations and, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think he would do NAR um, best if he would just remove himself and then the rest of the organization can move forward. It would be nice to see someone do the right thing in yeah. one of these situations. And and I understand he met, he, he, I mean, it was uh, the, the president, Kenny Parcell, was the one that was the, I mean, he, he resigned like right away, right? So uh, it tells you who, you know, he, and, um, you know, there's, uh, it's funny because the new executive team member, um, Tracy Casper, who assumes the, the assumed presidency in late August, some people say that she's a primary contributor to the hostile work environment. Mm. And, you know, we hear Tracy and we ask ourselves how she missed it. Right. So that, that this is what's in the letter. Um, and, and that's what they say. And I, I think what happens is that you're almost like tainted. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not that different from some of the other things that have gone on that, that we've seen. I mean, uh, that. I mean, look what happened at Penn State, right? It was actually the, oh, like yeah. the, the president was gone. I mean, the, the, but the, these are obviously very different things. But when people allow stuff to go on, mm-hmm. you know, being a leader is not easy. And being a leader for this kind of organization, I think, is really tough because a lot of people don't like the organization in the first place. Right. And when you look at what's going on, I, I, a clean sweep is the only way to go here, mm-hmm. in, in my view. And, you know, th- there's this website. It's called the NAR Accountability Project. It's uh, agentsdemandchange.com. Um, and I'll actually see if we can get this guy on the show. This will be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a, there, there's a, um, there's a, th- there's social assets to help spread the word. There's a petition. Um, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're regular members of the NAR. This is right from their website who, uh, who uh, they uh, talked about the internal activities at NAR. So they have this agents demand change website. And one of the things this NAR accountability project is trying to do is um, they want to release women from their non-trade secret NDAs, which I I think that's where things could get pretty 
uncomfortable if that actually happens. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you do that personally. Yeah. I, wow. I, do you? I don't. I don't. Uh, okay. So, and uh, I, I think what, what what continues to go on um, is that th- there is an NAR spokesperson saying that they're working to create a safer environment. Yeah, you know, we've heard all this stuff before. Right. right. The challenge I have is that there's and, and this is this is a very large issue. And you have this commission lawsuit happening at the same time, and now you can't focus on right. what's best for all the members. And I'm not I'm not dismissing this issue at all, but this is a distraction, and it, it should have been caught sooner. It should have been allowed to happen in the first place. It's just I don't I don't know how they move ahead without putting in some new leadership because mm-hmm. I I mean what what's your so you're a woman mm-hmm. what's your take on this I mean like, and forget that we're all agents here I mean my view is just get everybody out of there and let's start over yeah. I think a clean sweep, but just you have to because they have people want to feel like they've been heard and people want to feel like they can trust their organization. Mm-hmm. That's what it all comes down to it. And if you're working in these environments and it's, you know, you just know that there's um, things going on behind the scenes and things are overlooked here and things are overlooked there. You can't go to HR. You can't do this. You're not going to stay there, first of all. Um, you're going to be looking for some way out. But what if you like your coworkers and you like other things about it and you just want to have, you know, an environment where you can do your best and you can thrive and not have to worry about these sideshows? So I think a clean sweep is definitely in order get new leadership right away yeah and then this letter is that uh they, they really target the new president um where they uh, say that internal leaders who are in positions of power that did nothing to protect staff they name some names and then the letter goes on to say while uh the the new uh president um shamed the individuals who leaked an internal memo memo and those who exposed its contents versus those who tried to bury it and got caught i mean that's a real problem right yeah. i mean and it, people are going to be watching this very closely and NAR has got some issues, and it's, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm fascinated by the settlement, to bring it back to what we talked about, yeah. because if if we don't have to be members of NAR, I mean, wow. besides the, I see two value points of being a member of NAR right now. One is dispute resolution. I find value in that for buyers and sellers. It keeps things out of court. Like, if, I, have you ever been to a, um, a, uh, an arbitration a hearing or a mediation? Mm-hmm. So I've been to a few, um, and... It's it it eliminates a lot of nonsense and it gets people in a room where they can work it out because a lot of times when there's a dispute and you've been in transactions, it's like keyboard warriors or you know telephone tough guys and everyone's yelling and but when they're in a room, magically it gets worked out and I I do see value in that. Um, other people are going to say they see value in the electronic lockbox um, for security reasons. Mm-hmm. This market is very odd here because we have some agents that refuse to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then if you put an electronic lockbox on your listing, now you're having to go meet these people because they don't have one, right? right. And, and, I mean, it's agents from, you know, Philadelphia and Delaware County. It's really like Chester County seems to be the area that uses it more than anywhere else. Yeah. Some people are going to see value in that. Um, I, I do believe in the dispute resolution. I see that as something that's that's important. I, I do. I like the idea of a code of ethics. All that stuff's great. Mm-hmm. Challenges, you got all this going on. How are they going to enforce a code of ethics when this is what happens at the main offices? Yeah, a little hypocrisy there. <laughs> so that, that'll be uh, – that's why the, 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 these things are so closely tied. And mm-hmm. maybe that's why NAR is not settling. Yeah, that could be. I mean, they're dealing with all sorts of nonsense, and yeah. it's it's like it's like they're the real over the place. It's like the real estate agent that focuses on everything except the things that will make them money. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, like they're right. in the whirlwind all the time. Like oh, I'm, I'm the most organized. I respond to people right away, <laughs> and I haven't set a new appointment in four weeks. It's right. it's you know that that that's what makes me a little nervous here. So mm. interesting times to be a member of the NAR. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So we'll take a break then. Uh, here we're going to come back. We're going to talk about. What's going to happen in the fall market if it's going to be a flop or we're going to see a lot of activity next on mm. Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. 
Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom Tool with an E dot com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at my mortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. We have Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group, and if you, you get some value out of the show here, any one of the segments, doesn't have to be all three, give us a like, subscribe to the channel, and we'll keep the content coming to keep you informed about the local real estate market and the trends happening in the real estate industry. So, Stacy, I think a big question right now is what's going to happen in the fourth quarter? Mm. Is the fall market going to be a flop? And, and the reason I ask that is because statistically, I've, I've, I've tracked this. You got your spring market, right? In our, and and that, that, to me, the spring market runs from January 1st until June 30th. It may not sound like spring. Certainly, there's some winter months in there. That's the spring window. And you typically see things peak in terms of activity April, May, June. I know you've been a, a, in, in some COVID markets, so it's a little different. Mm -hmm. That's historically what we see. And then there's this second rush that happens literally like right now. And it's usually not the first week of September. It's like the second week once everyone goes back to school. Then you got mm -hmm. October happening. And then Thanksgiving pops up. And then the market slows down again. Are we going to see that same sort of flow in the marketplace? What are your predictions here? Because there's some, we talked about some things happening uh, economically earlier in the show, but I, I want to give people an idea what to expect the next three, four months. Well, I think um, the next number of weeks, people that are looking now, they want to be in before the holidays. They want to be in their new home before the mm -hmm. holidays. So that's probably why there's that bump this time of year, like, like you said, the second or third week of September through October. Because if you get under contract, you have a 30, 45-day close, you're going to be in before the holidays. And that's what most people that are out looking this time of year, that's their goal. Mm -hmm. So, and there's, you know, a lot of sellers don't want to, if they haven't sold yet or if they haven't gotten under contract by October, November, you know, there's this mindset that nobody wants to move around the holidays mm -hmm. You know, we're just going to wait until January. And again, that's why you see that bump in January, because people, you know, aren't inclined to uh, be disruptive in their home around the holidays for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. um, me, personally, I think it's a great time to have your house listed around the holidays. I've moved twice in, yeah. in the fourth quarter. I think it's a great time. I, we've, done a, we've done a little bit of business here. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I look at it as, to your point, there might be some more. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing you're saying there's more opportunity. Yes. Is that where you're going with this? So, so yes. elaborate on that. Tell us more. Yes, I think if you're a seller, there's definitely more opportunity because you're you're going to have the people that are waiting until January, so you're going to have less competition. Um, the the buyers, we still have uh, the uh, influx of buyers that are looking, so mm -hmm. they will transact. Mm -hmm. 
We need sellers. So if if you are thinking about selling, you can present this wonderful, it's a great opportunity. You present your home. It's festive. It's holiday time. People can come through the showings. You can kind of lay a foundation for how uh, the buyers can view the home where family traditions are started or, you know, can continue or be created, um, mm-hmm. which is just, it's awesome. People love the holiday season for the most part, not everybody, but there is like, it's different, you know, it's different around the holidays. You can envision your family doing holiday meals, things like that. So I think there's a real benefit to having homes listed around the holidays just for that particular reason right there. I've sold homes around the holiday and that was one of the biggest selling points. Um, They just love how it looked and they can envision their family being in there. So to me, if you're a seller, consider that, Um, you know, moving sucks anytime you do it, right? (laughs) Well said. (laughs) So, you know, you just, you can just jump in and, um, you know, make it a holiday move. But I think for buyers, um, if, if people do, if their leases expire at the end of December, which if they run from, you know, year start to year end, that's, there's real motivation to get that wrapped up. So mm-hmm. I'm working with a couple of people right now that have that motivation. So they will be looking right up until, you know, the moment that it, there's that big deadline. Um, but I think this time of year, uh, we're, I, I don't know, I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful. I'm, I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to find the people that need to transact and they're the ones I'm going to be working with. So, so I like that. And that, and that to me is the absolute right mindset. There is homes to be sold there. Mm-hmm. There's home selling every day of the week. I think what was the, it's 7.7 home sell every minute in the U S according to Steve Harney at keeping current matters. So I don't see this market being a flop. Um, what I do see is that You've got to get real with the facts, right? So we've seen inventory rise. This has been rising. It rose for the first time in seven years from July to August. Great news, right? That, that, that's a big opportunity here. We've seen it continue to rise and peak. We're, we're at the highest number of homes for sale all year long as of the beginning of this week nationally that are active on the market. And that was as of Sunday's data that comes out every week on Housing Wire. That's a big deal. Well, that's a huge deal mm-hmm. because what's one of the number one complaints for buyers and sellers? No inventory. No inventory, nothing to buy. So you have that going on. The other opportunity I see is that, to your point, I think people realize that the rates aren't coming back down again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Fed has, has been you know, very hawkish with their tone. But when you see inventory rise, and I look at especially like the downsize sellers, like if you're, if, you've, if you're looking for a smaller home, you've got a lot of cash you're putting down, the rate's less important right. than it is for someone that's maybe going like 95% financing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rate's going to be the rate no matter what. And, you know, it's you're going to be making somebody's payment, whether it's yours or your landlord's if you're renting. So I look at the, the this these next three months as full of opportunity because if you've been struggling to get a home under contract, find a home and, and buy a property, look right now because there's going to be anyone that lists their home, they're serious about selling this time of year. Mm-hmm. Any buyer that's out there for the sellers that are hesitant to list, they're serious about looking at homes meaning they're going to buy something. No one's putting on their winter coat. And, right. and, and, and especially think about the, the, how, how the sun goes down. It's a little tougher to look at homes this time of year. It is. You got to go on the weekend. You got to maybe get out of work early, cut out at lunch. I wouldn't, looking at homes at night is really tough. Mm-hmm. You almost always have to come back. That's at least been my experience. So you have that going for you. And, or maybe people are driving by and then coming in when they can go see the inside. But, but when all that stuff happens, those are signs of people that are ready to transact. So you kind of eliminate all those looky-loos, all the tire kickers. And to your point, the home looks a heck of a lot better, you know, decorated for the holidays. It, it elicits an emotional response, which is one of the reasons why a great home sells. So I, the, the, the market's going to be the market. If I'm a consumer right now or I'm an agent, I'm almost like doubling or tripling down on my search or my goals because if you can make a move now, you can beat the rush, right? I don't want to be out there when everyone else is buying a home. That's really challenging to do. So I don't see the market flopping. I do see volume still being down. Let's be very clear. This is, I'm not being optimistic to be optimistic here. There's less homes that are selling right now. So if you're an agent, and we've talked about this, you don't got appointments scheduled. What are you, what are you doing when you don't have appointments scheduled? Getting on the phone. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> to find, to finding new appointments, talking <laughs> right. to people, right? Talking to people. And, and you might have to go wide with how many people you're talking to. Yes. Instead of just, I, I know my number, let's say your number is 15 to 1 uh, historically. 
It might be like 20 to 1 or 25 to 1 these next three months. Mm -hmm. But you can set your business up so well. And we're going to see a big boom in real estate here when the rates do come down. Mm -hmm. You're going to see all kinds of activity, very similar to what we saw in 2020, which you went through. What was that like for you going from we can't leave our houses and there's not a lot of activity to here we go? Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Here we go. It was it was very wild. There definitely wasn't enough time in the day. There was a lot of um, yeah, just a lot of people came back. You know, they there there was pent up demand, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's tough meeting all that. Um, but you just do it. You go on autopilot and um, get out there and look. I thought it was very exciting. I like to be busy, so for me yes. it was great. That's why you're great at your job? Um, but. Uh, you know, because I like to get people in their homes. So for for this, I don't, you know, I think it's just going to be a normal market and um, there's definitely opportunity. So for those people that are looking, get your mindset right. Um, get out there. Look at homes. Like, like Tom said, it is going to be harder because the sun goes down earlier. So you do have to make other arrangements to get out and, mm-hmm. and look at the exterior. Uh, and then get in to look at the interior. I notice, though, there's lots of open houses. So that's one thing that came back mm-hmm. in full force because that was kind of lacking around, you know, during COVID. There was no open houses um, because crowd control. So get out and see, you know, take a, take advantage of those open houses. Get inside. The more homes you can see, um, then you can really, if you are undecided about what style you like and what exactly you're looking for, then that's going to really help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this I think this fall is going to be great. And to your point about if interest rates drop and people are going to come back into the market, there's going to be so much more competition. You then. might be in the same spot. Yeah, yeah that, that's if my you point. think there's competition now, there's going to be so much competition then and you are going to pay higher prices. So now is the perfect mix. So the interest rates are the interest rates, but we know where the housing prices are now. If those, if the interest rates drop, guaranteed the home prices are going to increase. They're not coming down because there is going to be the influx of buyers. There's going to be more competition. There's going to be multiple offers. Um, we've seen it. We've watched it. And again, when one house closed, it becomes a comp in the neighborhood and people look to that. And that's where they'll start their price. Well, think about that, though, is that you, I mean, when... Do you want to be out there with competing again? I mean, you lose right. your ability to yeah. get a home inspection. You lose yep. your ability to maybe think a day about the house. I mean, right. so there, there's a lot of things happening that way. And a wise man, Warren Buffett, said you want to be the one buying when nobody else is buying. So yep. I would argue that you want to move up your time frame now. And if you don't find mm-hmm. a house you like, don't buy it. It's got to be the right house. I think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. So that's it for this week's episode. We said it all, Stacy. You want to follow us, uh, Stacy's on Instagram. She's at the number two Mitchco. You can follow me at TomTool3RD on Instagram. And again, if you like the show, you found any sort of value, do us a favor and subscribe to the channel and like the video. It would mean a lot to us. It's all on YouTube. Just look up TomTool Sales Group. And we'll be back next week on WWDB 860 AM. That's it for this week's episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio. Oh, my God.